Welcome to Grace Life. Hope you're doing well. Would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests? We're so glad to have you with us both here in the room as well as those of you online. Well, hey, if you are a guest, we're actually on part six of a series we've been doing now, obviously, for six weeks. And uh, the good news, if you've missed any of this, you can catch up. All of the messages are online or on our app. Those of you that have been here over these last few weeks, you know that we've been working towards a goal for closing out the series, and that is that we've got the author of the book we've been doing uh, called Closer, uh, the one who designed the whole series. Uh, we have gave these out in our life groups, and we've been telling you all along that we were going to have Pastor Jeff Little with us to close out the series, and so we do. But before we come out, I want to tell you a little bit about them. Uh, Jeff and I are really good friends. We've gotten to know each other better and better over the years. And uh, I just want you to know, I think that he's one of the best pastors in the country. And he started a church with two guys, I think, kind of freeloading on his couch. And he started discipling these guys and now is pastoring a church of about 10,000 people in the Dallas area. You don't get to that size in the Dallas area where some of the most famous preachers and biggest and best churches are unless you actually care about people. I mean, he truly loves people. He's one of those people, no matter how big the church has gotten, you can still find him in the halls just stopping to talk to people and to pray to pe pray with people. Matter of fact, you guys know my routine here at, at Grace Life, as soon as I finish preaching, I kind of sneak off backstage so that I can be out in the lobby before you guys get there. Because see, when you're 5'5", five five, you can never get through a crowd you got to be in front of the crowd, so I, I have to do that. And I got out to the lobby, and I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure out where Pastor Jeff is gone. And he's still in here praying for people. Last service, I had to come and be like, hey, hey we're out there. I was like, well, I, this lady needs me to pray for her. I just think he's one of the, the greatest pastors. And so I'm honored to have him take time away from his church. Because the truth is, a lot of people can preach. But when you actually love pastoring, it's hard to get somebody to take time away from their church. And he was willing to do that for us here at Grace Life. I think, again, we have a great relationship. He loves us. We love him. And uh, if you would, put your hands together. Help me with the best Grace Life welcome we can for Jeff Little. Thank you so much. What, a, what an honor and privilege it is to be back at Grace Life Church. Uh, several years ago, I got the chance to be here. I think you had just moved into this building and it's so exciting to see some familiar faces, some new faces. In fact, how, how many of you are, are new from the last time I came? You're like, I, I didn't see you, meet you. So many new people. That's amazing. That's, that's a good sign. That means the church is reaching people, and that's what we're here to do, and we're glad that you guys are a part. I, I do love your pastor. Uh, I love that the team here, he leading that team, uh, they really have a desire for you to grow for you to develop, for you to become who God's called you to be. Uh, we have a, a little thing at the first of the year where we have some churches. Your church for several years has come to be a part of it uh, because we love the church. We love what God's doing in Columbia, South Carolina. We love just encouraging uh, people like you and you guys, your pastor has come and, and, and the team and so Kent and everybody, we've got a chance to, to just uh, along the way celebrate everything that God's doing here. And, uh, and so I, I want you to know Jimmy, Ramona, the, 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 the leadership here. Uh, in fact, we, we were 
uh, looking before services today. We got here early, and, and Jimmy took me back and showed me the, the board where you guys take steps, and there's grow track, and talking to me about his passion for you to get involved in small groups and grow. Um, it's, it's really a, a blessing to have a pastor that really has a heart for you and helping you become who God's called you to be. If you're new here, this is a great place, a safe place, and uh, it's, it's, it's good to be a part of what God's doing. By the way, can we just give God a round of applause for your pastor, your team here? That's awesome. Um, just really honor them and respect them. It's not always the case. Uh, I also, though, always love to say this, and let me say it to you. A great church is not just because you have a great pastor and a great team. That's important. But really, a great church is made up of people like you. And I just want to honor you that give, that serve, that get over offenses, that, that love other people. It's, and we're going to learn a little bit today about how we may minimize that, but it's a big, big focus for Jesus and it's a big deal. So I just want to honor you and, and say thank you to all of you that are just serving and loving people and, and, and being a part of what God's doing here at Grace Life Church. I'm really honored that you guys would take several weeks to, to study uh, the book closer. And, and, and I'll give you a little backdrop. Several years ago, I took a group of business leaders to Israel and I thought, well, I'm going to be there. So I'm going to go to these really cool places where Jesus was doing amazing stuff. So I thought, man, I'm going to bring along some of our film team and, and, and do some teaching from those spots and share it with the church. And, and so I got over there and we went to the first spot and I thought, man, we need to write this down. And so I got some of my other team. You'll learn this about me. I really, I really don't know how to do much. Um, you like, he has this, this, this big church. In fact, I went back for my high school reunion. I can't remember what number it was. And some people I went to high school with, they go, Jeff, how do you lead that church? You, you don't know how to do anything. And, and I said, well, here's what I'm really good at. Getting some really talented, amazing people who know how to do stuff to help me. That's what I do. So anyway, I had some amazing people with me. And so we started working together and I started writing some stuff down and they started helping me edit it. And, and out came this book that you've been going through. And, and really, I had no idea that people in Columbia, South Carolina would be studying all of this, but I, I, I realize it's bigger than, than me, the book, the videos. It's, it's really about being close to Jesus. And that's a good thing. And, and that's really the focus of it all. And you've looked at several places through Jesus and who he is and how he, he's not a concept, he's not a theory. This isn't about, you know, signing up for a, a new religion to identify with. It, it's amazing that Jesus is relational, that he came as one of us, that he had friends, that he cried. I'm so glad that I serve a Jesus that came as one of us, that's relational, that that he cried, that he wept, that he's, that he's not like a, a concept or a statue or a theory or a dead religious figure, but he's alive today and he wants to speak to each and every one of us and that he has the capacity to connect with all of us right where we are, no matter where we're coming from. That still amazes me about Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said this, a prayer. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, you may not know much about him. He, he, was the le he was on the least likely to get saved category. 
He was persecuting Christians. He was, he was the, I'm against all of this on the other side of the fence. And he had an encounter with Jesus and he got close to Jesus. And man, he went all in with Jesus. And, and I love his prayer right here that he's praying. By the way, you might not have known the apostle Paul, this huge, amazing figure in the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit prayed a prayer for you. Here's part of his prayer. It's an amazing prayer, by the way, but here's the part of his prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We're going to talk about revelation today. You're like, that word, revelation, isn't that like a book in the Bible? Isn't that where all those crazy things are in the Bible? Like, what is revelation? Well, it's this, it's this personal eye-opening, this, 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 this thing where truth is not just abstract truth, it becomes your truth. And truth is not just that which is right, but truth becomes this person, Jesus, who is real to you. So he says, I'm praying you get that revelation so that you may, I like this, know him better. Isn't that so great that if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't even know how I ended up at a church. Maybe you're watching online. You're like, I don't even know how I stumbled on this. You're like, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not really into all this. It's kind of like, I'm not very religious. That's my favorite thing. I led my trainer to Christ not too long ago in my first statement to him. I was like, what are you going to do with Jesus? Because I'm not very religious. I said, good. Because that's not Jesus's goal. He has plenty of religious people. He'd like to have a relationship with you. If you're in the category of going, man, I'm just checking all this out, or you went to Sunday school, or maybe you grew up in church, or maybe you're even like me, who I do a lot of church, and I talk in church, and I organize church, and you've been saved since like Paul walked the earth kind of church person. That prayer right there is for all of us. You know what's so good about Jesus? We can know him better today. We today can pray that prayer. I want to know you better. I would like to unpack a story for you, a place that this happens. It's a major moment in the life of the disciples. It's massive if you're really trying to understand what Jesus is really all about. If you're a bottom line person, any bottom line people out there kind of like, can you get to the point of what we're trying to talk? Man, this is one of those bottom line passages. This is like, here's what's important from Jesus. We're going to look at it. Now, I need to tell you that when Jesus takes us to this place, it's found in Matthew 16, 13. If you brought your Bibles or your iPhones and you want to go there, I'm going to take you there in a minute to the actual place. And we're going to talk about this set of verses in Matthew 16, 13. And there, there again, there's a couple of things you need to understand that are going on. And I'm going to outline it, but, but it's, it's a dark place where Jesus takes them. He takes them to, in their day, the darkest place maybe that they could think of. I don't know if you felt this way, but I think even over the last few years, maybe we've had an increasing feeling of this. I don't know. Maybe with the exposure we have to so much bad information today, you know, is the world darker or are we just more aware of all the bad things? I think I grew up naive, you know? Like my parents didn't even let me get entertained with television, you know? We only had three channels. 
They didn't believe it was their job to entertain me. You come home from school, be like, can I watch TV? No, go outside and play with a stick. You know what I mean? My, we didn't have pads and phones and gadgets like, like a Suburban goes down the road today. It's like a rolling movie theater. Like, like there's so much content, so much. Do we really need to know everything happening? Y'all all know you have that friend that texts you every bad news clip from everything. It could be happening on the other side of the world in the middle of the night. Did you see what happened? As if it was next door. You're like, I don't have that person. Then you are that person probably. Are you with me? There are people just fascinated with every bad thing. And the news knows, by the way, that if it bleeds, it leads because that sells clicks. So we're inundated with all these bad things. And yes, there are dark things and the world is dark. And and yeah, there's a world out there today, and there always has been, that calls wrong things right and right things wrong and can't figure out God's plan and God's, God's way and, and wants to distort everything that God says is righteous and holy. And then if you have Jesus living on the inside of you, there's something in you that's like, that's wrong. That's wrong. It's like, 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 like we need to see darkness, you know, push back and and you can get frustrated. And I hear people as you get older, by the way, this is why you need today's message. Because if you don't know what the plan is, you can get hopeless. And you can start yelling at the television. Had an older guy the other day, he goes, man, I tell you what, I'm glad I'm not raising kids today. Well, by the way, the next service, y'all picked a good service? I hear it's gonna be like a hundred and something teenagers. I'm so thankful you go to a church where we don't tell the next generation, you know what? You got the short end of the stick. You were born in a bad world and there's no hope. Jesus says, no matter what world, I'm going to take you to the darkest place and show you where you get hope. But that hope only comes from revelation. It comes from revelation. I, I want to tell you, I can't persuade you. I can't make you. I can't force you. I mean, I can tell stories. I can preach loud. I can preach soft. I can talk succinctly. But if Jesus doesn't speak to you, it's all a waste of time. You'll sit there and go, well, that was good. Where are we going to lunch? Jesus has to reveal it to you. And so I learned this. A few years back, a couple years ago, my, my oldest daughter got married. And how many of you know that in life, as you go through things, then you, there are things that you thought you knew that now you know? Well, I had one of those moments a couple of years ago when my oldest daughter got married. And I have three daughters, and so they gang up on me, and it's like a, a, daughter, a, a, a female, you know, dominated household and me and my son there by ourselves with all these lady folks. And uh, so the wedding was a big deal. Now, I did my first wedding at 20 years old. I know a few things about weddings. I'm kind of like a professional at weddings. I'm like the wedding man. And so I went into this and we had our first wedding committee meeting. And we sat down for the committee meeting and, and, and I was informed very quickly that I don't really know about weddings because I started with like, we, we should be able to save on the budget. And the reason we should is we got a preacher. 
Now the preacher doesn't get much of the budget. He usually gets a Chicken Express gift card. But anyway, um, I thought we got a preacher. And they're like, no, 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 you got to be the dad. I'm like, okay, there's some more expense. And then I said, we got a building because I'm a preacher and I preach in a building. So we have a building. They said, no, we're getting a venue. <laughs> a venue? I'm like, we have a, a lot. A $70 million venue. It's nice. It has lights and air conditioning. And guess what? I got some hookups down there. We can get it for free. They said, no, we need a venue. I'm like, why? They said, our church doesn't have a center aisle. I said, well, for what y'all are spending on your venue, we could do like a Vegas show and we could helicopter in on a trapeze down to the front. That's not going to work. We need a venue. So man, I'm telling you, I realized at the first meeting, I'm, I'm on the committee maybe, but I'm not a voting member of the committee. In fact, I may not even be on the governmental committee. I'm on the finance committee. That's what I'm on. Are you with me? So I was getting a revelation, man, about weddings in this process. And then one night after we pay for the venue and all this other stuff, my wife's online. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm looking for sparklers. I said, sparklers for what? It's not even the 4th of July. She said, Jeff, the wedding. I was like, we're having a wedding with sparklers? Who invited sparklers to the wedding? She said, well, when they run out, you got to light the sparklers. I'm like, we're going to catch people's hair on fire, man. They'll look like me. No. I'm like, what happened to rice? That kills the birds. Whatever. I still see a lot of birds flying around. Anyway, what? And so we had sparklers. And if you need some for the 4th of July, it was during the shortage. We ordered them from somewhere around the world. They came on a cargo ship. So in my garage is the biggest load of sparklers you've ever seen. So I was getting revelation, man, on this wedding thing. By the way, though, I will say this, a moment I'll never forget, that I got a revelation. And I want to say this to any young dad out there. Every bit of investment that you make today is all worth it in the end. Because at the very end, my daughter messed me up. We did the dance, and while we're doing the dance, which I don't even know how to dance, but I realize it's more like a junior high dance, so all you gotta do is just kinda hold her and sway. So I just kinda did that, because I'm just trying to keep it together. And then she came over the loudspeaker and started saying, Dad, I wanna thank you for everything you've done for me. Dad, thank you for loving me. Dad, thank you for caring about me. Man, that's wrong to do to a dad. With all my friends and church members watching, my knees started to buckle. I almost fell on the ground. I tell you, when you say the word wedding, I don't just know about it. I, I know it now. Have a different level of understanding. And though that's just a wedding, I'll show you in a minute that Jesus sort of connects how he relates to us a little bit to wedding and marriage. But I want to take the next few moments, Matthew 16. I don't want it just to be words on a page. I want you to leave this weekend and go, I know what's going on there. I know him. I know what he's trying to say to me. Let's go to this place in Matthew 16, and let's look at what Jesus has to say, and then I'll come back and give you some practicals. Watch this.
about 40 miles from here by the Sea of Galilee, the disciples left everything and started following Jesus. Along the way, they're learning more about him. They've been amazed by him. But the truth is they still don't totally understand him or what is ultimately going to happen. But they just keep taking steps. They just keep following. The other day I was at a friend's graduation and as I showed up, it was on a large campus. And the fact is I didn't really know where I was. I was on the other side of campus and started headed toward where I thought I was supposed to go. And there was a whole group of people walking and I thought, well, they know where they're going. But the fact is, after a little while of following them, I asked them, are you headed to the graduation? They said, no, we're headed to another event. And I realized that we were going the wrong way. But that's the difference in Jesus. Jesus is not following the crowd. He's not randomly just looking for some direction from someone around him. Jesus is always leading the way. And he kept leading these disciples very intentionally every single step. And wherever he took them and whatever he communicated to them was very intentional and very on purpose. And the fact is he led them to this place. This place right here is a place that everyone wanted to claim. Everyone thought that it was so significant that they wanted to have their name on it. The fact is Herod, he actually built some temples here and he built them and he named it after Caesar Augustus who granted him the land. And then later his son, Philip, his son, Philip wanted to lay claim to it in honor of his father. And so now you see a place when described in the scriptures, it's Caesarea Philippi, that's where we're at. And Philip wanted to distinguish it from the place closer to the Mediterranean called Caesarea by the sea. But even more importantly, the Greeks called this place Peneus, and it's named after the Greek god Pan, a fertility god. And why is that significant? Because in the worship of that god, this was a very dark place, one of the darkest places in this time period. There was a lot of very challenging things happening, both sexually and there was all kinds of immoral things. And so therefore, when the disciples found out probably along the way at some point that Jesus was taking them here, they had to be thinking, this is not a good place for Jewish guys. And why is he bringing us here? But Jesus had a plan. Jesus wanted to show them something in this dark place. So understanding the history and the context of this area, then it really sheds more light when we look at the passage of scripture in Matthew 16. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 20. It says, when Jesus came into this area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Now, again, this is a dark place. There's literally human sacrifices taking place, some of the darkest things that could happen. And Jesus walks them into that place. And he says, who are people saying that I am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but here's what I really wanna know. Who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, and this is the main thesis of this entire passage. He says this, you're blessed. Simon, you're blessed, and here's why. 
for flesh and blood has not revealed this. Notice the word revealed. This is not something that comes from persuasion. Jesus is not imposing this on him. He's not doing some kind of mind trick. There's a spiritual revelation and he says to him, this is where it comes from. He says, this comes again to you. It comes from my father who is in heaven. And now as a result of that revelation, look what happens now. He says, I tell you now, you are Peter and on this rock, this revelation you've had, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And look what it says here. Jesus actually says, look, now this is who you are. You never know who you are until you understand who Jesus is. But then it even says here, I am now going to build something through you. I'm going to show you your purpose. So what's one of the first things that happen when we get revelation of who Jesus is? When we really get a revelation that is not just some kind of religious figure or historical figure, what happens? The first thing is we get secure in our identity and we really begin to understand who we are. But the second thing is he says, I'm gonna build my church through you. Peter starts to understand his purpose by really understanding who Jesus is. And then he says, I'm gonna give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Don't you think that's really interesting? And this is why the closer we get to Jesus, the more drawn to him we are. All these other political and historical figures were trying to name things after themselves, trying to move power toward themselves. And what does Jesus say? If you'll have a real revelation of who I am and you'll really follow me, he says, look, I'm gonna give power away. I'm gonna actually give you the power to live out the purpose that I've called you to live. I'm gonna give you the power to build what I've called you to build. So he says, I'm gonna give you and transfer my authority toward you. And then it says here, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So Jesus had an interesting marketing strategy after this big, powerful moment, he's like, don't tell anybody about it. Of course, you know what happens. Everyone finds out about what Jesus is doing. You know, as we think about what a, what a powerful place, what a powerful moment in scripture, it's just, it's, it's amazing to think that Jesus would bring them to this place and then he would take the backdrop of culture and he would use it as a powerful moment of revelation for Peter and the disciples. It really makes us ask this question for ourselves. Is have we had that same revelation moment that Peter had right in this spot? Now I know the word revelation seems like some large, big kind of concept, but the fact is when you get close to Jesus, you're more drawn to him. And it really means that we're willing to admit that he is the only way. He is the son of God. He is the Christ. That's really what Peter said is he said, you're, you're it. You're what we've been looking for. You're the Lord. You're the savior. Have you made him Lord and savior of your life? You know what's really amazing as well is this place is called the gates of hell. When Jesus said the gates of hell can't stand against what I'm gonna do in the earth, he was referencing this actual place. See, the reason they made sacrifices to gods like Pan, which are not really the true God, the reason they did is they were hoping that he would receive the sacrifice. Not many days 
forward in this journey as they keep following Jesus, Jesus is gonna make the ultimate sacrifice. And it's not something that we hope that this sacrifice is received, but the truth is it was God's plan all along. And so in your journey with Jesus, my real desire for you is, is that you'll draw close to him, that you'll just keep taking steps. You may feel like I don't have it figured out. I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know if I've had the revelation moment. Just keep following and taking steps. And here's what's gonna happen. Just like Peter, you know the good news? The same available promise that Peter had of finding purpose and finding the real authority and power to live your purpose and really knowing who you are, that same Jesus is still available today for all of us. As we look at a passage like this in a place like this, it makes all of us today, no matter where we're at, wanna draw close to him and have a real revelation of him. So the power of those words are greater when you realize where Jesus takes them to say the words and that brings it into a reality for us. We are not in a location that makes us think about darkness, but one thing I've realized is we don't just have to have an awareness of the darkness that's out there. It's when we realize there's a lot of darkness around us or in us. What, what we tend to do a lot of times is we can recognize darkness outside of us and we judge others on their actions, but we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. And, and I always love to tell people as well, the, the enemy always wants to talk to you about someone else, but the Holy Spirit actually always wants to talk to you about you. But all of us have felt at some point, whether it's just practically some discouragement or maybe you've battled depression or anxiety, I, I realize, we have a generation even, and some of you parenting young people, it's, it, there's something there with the anxiety, the depression. I, we took about 1,500 kids to camp into different ways and things through the summer, and last summer after we finished all of that, I sat with our youth team, I said, what's the number one thing that young people dealt with? Give me kind of your top, top three list. Anxiety, depression, darkness. There's something about the world and the way we do life today, our exposure to negativity. I, I realize there can be medical, chemical. I, I, I get all that. I, I'm a pastor who works with people and I understand, but I, I do think there is, there is something about the fact that maybe we need another level of equipping to face our awareness of the darkness in the world today. Jesus says, those same words I said at the gates of hell are still relevant today at whatever gate of hell you are standing at. And so what does he say to us in a nutshell? He says, basically your revelation of him, your revelation of Jesus deals with the darkness in you. But Jesus builds his church to deal with the darkness in the world. Let's talk about both of those for just a few moments before I pray for you. First of all, we've got to talk about our own personal revelation of him. And we come at different places and different levels of understanding and, and, and our understanding of who he is and not just who he is, but who is he to us. We're not hearing from Jesus that he's saying, hey, I want you to 
just have more knowledge about me. I'm not asking you just to know more passages. We're not asking you to do more religious stuff. Jesus is really putting his finger on, do you know me? I wanna, I wanna encourage you with something. It is possible to know all kinds of things about Jesus, but not know Jesus. It's possible to know all the rules and regulations and the, and the different activities and, 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 and just have you know, family members who have been you know, in this particular sect of this type of religious practice and think, well, well I'm just kind of part of it by proxy. I, I love, I ask people all the time, tell me where you're at with Jesus. Well, my uncle was a pastor. So? Biggest phrase in our world today that's probably gonna send more people to hell is you ask people where you at with Jesus, I'm a good person. I'm a good person is going to cause more people to spend eternity separated from God than any other phrase in our culture today. We really believe in our culture today that if people had the right information, they would do the right thing. There's, it's not about more information. It's all about the reality of you have to have a revelation of Jesus so that he becomes real to you, so that he changes you, so that you're changed from the inside out. You become a new creation. You don't work yourself into righteousness. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when he changes you from the inside out. That's gotta happen. Or otherwise, you're gonna constantly feel like you're failing and whatever you fail at long enough, you eventually quit. So I like to say having this revelation of Jesus changes you so much that he changes your want-tos. I, I, I know that it's somewhat challenging. It's like I always wish as a pastor I could bottle up revelation and have everybody take a drink of it before I talk. Because it's not, it's not how it works. You gotta have your own personal encounter. Your kids have to have their own personal encounter. That's why we want to put them in any setting, any environment, so that they can have their own personal encounter. There's, there's nothing that substitutes that. I, I do think one of the Bible metaphors, as I said, marriage, the Bible uses that picture to help us have some earthly ability to try to somehow get close to connecting to what this means to be in a covenant relationship with Jesus. And so uh, I think back to a few years ago, my, my daughter's married and and then my son's graduated from college and he's in youth ministry in Oklahoma City. But when he was a teenager at home, uh, I remember a few years ago him wanting to talk to me about dating. If you hadn't hit that phase yet, get your prayer life up, praise God. Uh, and they always wanna talk at midnight. It's like, could we put this on the schedule at a more convenient time? But anyway, so late at night, dad, I wanna talk about dating. And he wanted to talk about my relationship with his mother. And so I told him the story. I don't know that he'd even really known the exact story, but now he was in a place where he's all ears. I want to know about all this and figure out how it works. So my story is very unique with my wife, Brandy, that her dad and parents, they moved to my hometown in East Texas. She's from Dallas-Fort Worth. Her dad got a job. She moved to my hometown. And my mom and her mom uh, both have intercessory prayer gifts. They met at swimming lessons and became prayer partners. So basically the moral to this whole story I'm about to tell you is uh, we had an arranged marriage, okay? Because look, if mom, how many of y'all are thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed us into this thing? 
if your mom starts praying, give up. You know, you can't even enjoy sin if your mom starts praying. But anyway, so our moms became friends. They became prayer partners. She was 11. I was 12. She was friends with my sister. I was playing with a ball. I had no time with time for her at that time. And so I just totally don't even remember her at all. But our moms kind of kept up. They kept praying together. And, you know, every now and then her mom would tell her, you need to marry somebody like that Jeff Little. And so finally one day she got upset. She's like, I don't even, he could be an axe murderer. We don't even know where he's at. But anyway... Our mom sort of stayed connected, and then in college, there was an event at her church, and uh, her, my mom was going to go, and, and I, I don't know. They haven't confessed to it, but I think there was something working there. But anyway, I showed up at this event, and let me just say the woman of God had grown up. Let me tell you, I was not dismissing her at this point. I'm just like, whoa, hallelujah, praise God. Man, I ain't never seen anything that beautiful in my entire life. And, uh, and so we got connected, and, and, uh, and, and I, I wanted to take her on a date, but I was scared. Let me help you ladies in on something, you know. Back then, you had to have game, too, right? Because you have to ask them yourself. Now you just DM them, what's up? Anyway, you don't even need game, you know what I'm saying? So I was scared because I had to do it in person, you know. So I did the manly thing, the strong, responsible thing. I called my mom. I said, Mom, hey, can you check out the territory? Fish out for a brother. Let me know how it's working. You know what I'm saying? So anyway... Anyway, we went on our first date in January of 1995, and in November, we got married. That's like 10 or 11, 10 and a half months. Some of you are like, well, that's awful fast. Well, I was trying to do it biblically. The Bible says better to marry than burn with desire. And I was in Fuego, so we had to get to the church. Some of you girls are like, I just can't get him to get me a ring. There's ways to move that up in the process. You start shutting a few things down, that brother be running you to the church. Anyway, that's a different message. Anyway, but we got married. We went down to an altar. We stood before God and our peers, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, you and none other. So when someone asked me today, are you married? Are you taken? Are you committed? I don't say, oh, I have an affiliation. Or I don't say my dad's married. I don't say I've studied marriage. I don't say I heard about marriage. I don't say that might be good and noble. I say on November the 18th, 1995, I committed myself fully to Brandy Anderson, now little, and I have a moment where I can point to where that became real. And so this is not just subscribing to an organizational philosophy. And you're like, well, you're talking about, is that biblical? Well, actually, Genesis uses the word no. It's actually a very deep, intimate term. Jesus says eternal life is to know God. Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul, and I'm going to get to the next point because he hits it in this too. In Ephesians 5, he's like talking about Jesus, and then he's talking about marriage, and then he's talking about the church, and he's talking about Jesus and marriage and the church, and the people are like, what are you talking about, Paul? And he's like, are we talking about Jesus or are we talking about the church? Are we talking about marriage? Are we talking about the church? Are we talking about Jesus? He's like, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about all that. That's what we're talking about. And in our segmented Western minds, we conveniently kind of take what we want. We customize it like our playlist. We do it like our Starbucks drinks. Remember, I got a lot of girls. I hate being the guy to go to Starbucks. 
because they have so many customizable options. You know, I'll have a, I will have a oat milk, almond milk, sugar-free, lactose-free. I'm like, it's so free of stuff, I don't even know what it is anymore. Are you with me? By the way, almond milk. I didn't know almonds made. Have you ever heard of a lactating almond? Where did we get this from? I mean, that sounds like a rock band. Oh, lactating almonds. Anyway, I'm off course, okay? What? Look. You can't customize your Jesus. You can't be like, well, I'll have part of him, but I don't want his church. And I'll maybe take a little bit of church, but I don't want all of him. And I'll have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, and I'll customize it for my playlist. I, I, you could be making your Jesus so free of everything that it's not Jesus at all. So you have to come to a place where you get a revelation, you say, all of him. But then when you get all of him, then he puts you and places you in his church. It's how you grow. It's how you develop. That's the important next step to Jesus's whole revelation here for darkness in the world. I mean, darkness in the world is pushed back by the light of Jesus on the inside of us, but it's also practically pushed back by the light of Jesus in all of us as we come together in a unified form and then we together as his church, we are his solution to the darkness in the world. And, and I realize when I say his church, you have all kinds of framework. In fact, I know I've been doing this for 30 years. You wanna get people to check out, say, I'm gonna preach today on the church. People be like, can we get like five ways to have a body by God? Can we get six ways to have more money? Can we have four ways to have a happier life? But I'm gonna tell you something, Jesus loves his church. Jesus is still building what he said at the gates of hell. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I realize it can be hard. Why? Because church is not the organization, though church has organization. I had a guy the other day, I'm against organized religion. I'm like, well, you don't want disorganized religion? I mean, what? I mean, we got to at some point work together. There's organization, but its very essence and ethos is not the organization. It's not the buildings. I mean, thank God you guys are going to build, need more space here. You've been growing more in the last few months than you ever have in your history. You're going to have to make more space. I have people who say, well, I'm not ever doing any buildings. Well, don't come to our church because we got a bunch of sheep. And these sheep do something that we've never heard sheep can do. They drive cars. <laughs> and they have like five. And their kids all drive cars. So we've got to make parking lots for their cars. And then they're having baby sheep. Lots of them. And so we got to have somewhere to feed them some animal crackers and teach them the Bible too. And so we got sheep and taking care of sheep means we got to have a barn and, and, and it's not the barn. It's not the building. It's not the parking lot. It's, it's us. It's every Bible preaching, Jesus focused, gospel oriented Christian, whatever label you want to put the real deal, the biblical deal in this area. And it's his church, and you, you, can, you get a chance to pick which one, but the better question is, find the one God's placing you in. 
because he sets you as a member of the body. I love how people in the, you know, I grew up in this kind of church. Well, what'd you do today? Well, we went down to the front and joined the church. Well, you don't, you don't join the church. You join Costco, you join Sam's, you join, I don't, do y'all have Costco here? Y'all have Costco? Costco's amazing. I love Costco. I go there hungry and leave full. <laughs> I think COVID stole it. But anyway, before that, I'd be like, go around, get me a little food. I'd be like, man, that's amazing. That's powerful. Hi, how you doing? Oh, that's amazing. I go put a disguise on, make another lap. That's amazing. Whoa, this is really interesting. Anyway, you join Costco, but you're joined to God's church. He places you. And so he puts you in that environment. Why? To grow you, to get you to where he's called you to go. And I think it's so amazing. We got all kinds of problems in our natural families. You know, we spend Thanksgiving with people that we wouldn't normally set on our calendar to go, let's go hang out with them. Y'all act so smug. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Your crazy uncle's there. You're like, well, I don't have a crazy uncle. You are the crazy uncle. But anyway... <laughs> You, you, and so you got to go be with these people and there's problems and you got challenges. And guess what? That's your natural family. Why wouldn't you think you'd have some of that in your spiritual family? But I'm so thankful. And the reason, the reason I invest with your pastor and love him and love this team and love your church, this is a church that's always going to put in front of you a step to take. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just take your next step. But I don't know, man, we kind of got off. We got off the last few years and and I'm telling you, across the board, and I've seen in the last few months kind of a resurgence of kind of the church waking up. You know why we had so many frustrated people over the last few years? Looking to something other than Jesus' plan to bring light in the darkness. You talk about getting frustrated and angry, yelling at your television. Look to something Jesus is not building to solve the problems of a dark world. You are his answer. We are his answer. We are his solution. We are what, what Jesus is building. I love this verse of scripture. I want to give it to you in Ephesians and I'm going to pray for you. This verse of scripture is so powerful to me. Back to the book of Ephesians. It says this, his intent was that now. I'm so glad that Jesus was intentional too. He didn't leave us lost, frustrated, not knowing what to do, Jesus was intentional. Now Paul here is like, hey, here's what he was about. His intent was that now through the church. Now I realize we live in an interconnected world and the church is not the building, it's all of us. So when the church goes into the political realm, when the church goes into education, when the church goes into the sectors of broken society, we bring light. We bring light to those segments and sectors but we don't look to the entity, to the philanthropy, to the concept of whatever we've tried to substitute. Jesus says, my intention now from Matthew 16, Paul agreeing with that is through the church. You're like, man, are you talking about this thing like it's some, it's Jesus's wife. Well, I'm gonna tell you, you wanna make a man mad, don't talk about my wife. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, you're like, manifold wisdom, that's a big word. That word manifold means a rainbow. It's a prism. You know when you're in kindergarten, you draw a rainbow, you put orange, red, green, and they're all in little segments? A rainbow actually is the, the light going through the prism of water, 
and you can't even grab the colors. It's just, you're like, what's Paul saying here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He's saying the multifaceted nature of God. I'm telling you what he's saying. A multi-ethnic, multi-gifted, multi-socioeconomic background, multiple different personalities, gifting styles. We don't have to all like the same thing. We don't have to all be the same. We don't, all we have to do is have the same unified purpose and the same Jesus. And when we have that, he says, my intention is through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Every demonic strategy of the enemy that wants to bring darkness is exposed through that. Our personal revelation of Jesus and our cooperation together as a church. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. I'm gonna ask you one simple question right now. First of all, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I asked it to you in the video. I wanna ask you very simply, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you submitted your life to Jesus? I didn't say, have you prayed a prayer? I didn't say, have you joined a church? Are you a part of a religion? I am saying, are you right with him today? Are you committed? Can you point to a moment where, yeah, right there, I sold out, I gave it all. He's my Lord, he's not just my savior, he's not just my ticket to heaven, he's my all in all, I'm all in. If you're here today and say, well, that's not my reality, pastor, then maybe God sent me all the way from Texas to Columbia, South Carolina, for you to settle that right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're there and you say, that's me, then I want you to pray this prayer. It's not about my words, it's about your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my whole heart. I give you and commit myself to you. I surrender my life to you. If you prayed that prayer and you committed your life to him, the Bible says you're saved, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, pastor, that's me. I prayed, anyone else? Thank you, thank you. Keep it up so I can see it. Anyone else? Thank you. Several hands throughout this audience. You say, what do I need to do? Well, in a minute, you're gonna hear about some next steps, but you need to tell someone. You need to step out. You need to, we need to help you grow. If you committed to Jesus now, we need to help you now learn how to follow him. And so I want you to tell somebody, tell one of the leaders, come forward, grab somebody's hand. Second of all, Lord, I ask that every person here, Lord, if they know you, they'd find their place, they'd find their part in your heart. Lord, we would commit to building not our own kingdom, but your kingdom through your church. Help us to get over our fences, get over our personal preferences. Lord, let us walk together to be the solution to bring light to the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen.